The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. They do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance, a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group, where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome, this is Truth Time, and I am Pastor Monty, and uh, today we're going to continue our look at uh, Genesis, uh, where we're talking about the flood, and it is only appropriate since, after all, here in Portland, we've got uh, 80% chance of rain, and it's been raining all day. So uh, let's talk about it uh, in uh, the Christ Actor. So, um, in Genesis, we've been talking a little bit about what led up to the flood, and we uh, have been looking at the details of the ark that was built by Noah, and uh, Scripture says that uh, God gave Noah the specifications, and that it was built exactly as, uh, as he uh, said that it would be. Um, we've talked about uh, a little bit about uh, the historical reference that there are some people who see this merely as a myth, and yet there is some evidence, historical evidence, that uh, the actual ark is uh, uh, in Turkey, and um, before they could do any any detailed excavation of the area, the Turkish government cut off the ability to be able to get up in there. So, you know, uh, there is some evidence to suggest that, in fact, uh, the ark is there, and, uh, and, and so that, gives, that corroborates from a historical standpoint that uh, what we see in Genesis is actually more than just a myth. Um, the, uh, the details of the flood are interesting. We talked a little bit about it last night. 
um, you know, we don't think of the, uh, I don't think that we think of the flood in, in the terms that is presented in Scripture because it says that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights nonstop. Uh, not only did it rain, but, but uh, the waters rose up, as it were, from, uh, from the earth. And that, um, and that, so there was a combination of rain coming down and water coming up, um, and uh, waters were as such that uh, once once it had rained for forty days and forty nights, uh, it took a long time for the water to uh, recede, and so the ark was floating around. While all of the mountains, and Scripture specifically says that uh, the mountaintops were covered and that everything that lived and breathed on the earth was destroyed. So that the only thing that was left alive was uh, who, those who were with Noah in the ark. And then it took uh, time for the waters to recede. When they receded, uh, Noah tried to... Uh, determined whether it was safe to go out or not. Um, and so first he sent out a, uh, he sent out um, a bird. Um, I'm trying to remember here. I think it was a hawk, but I'm. It's a raven. A ra thank you, a raven. Um, and, and then uh, when that came back, he sent out a dove. And when the dove brought back an olive branch, then he knew that it was safe for people to go out. When you look at the whole thing, uh, you know, the, the flood and letting the waters come up and everything be destroyed and then allowing the waters to settle, we're talking roughly a time frame of about six months. Sure, yeah. So uh, we do know from, and we talked a little bit about this, that there are, there are, uh, there are scientific data which is slowly becoming available to us uh, because of things like the eruption of Mount St. Helens, for example, uh, where we've been able to see uh, what happens when um, uh, massive flooding and trees are sheared off at their root and how they settle into the ground. And uh, and so that, that's caused scientists to have a little bit of data on what that might look like. Um, but what scripture says is that when the waters receded and it was safe for uh, them to go out, uh, Noah opened the doors and let all the animals out and they went out to replenish the earth, and that was the command. And at that point, uh, in Genesis chapter 7, I believe it is, um, God makes a covenant. Well, chapter 9, actually. God makes a covenant with Noah that he is to, uh, he and his family are to uh, multiply and fill the earth so all the animals and the birds are large and small uh they're all to fill the earth and he makes and and interesting before before he makes this covenant he said he he lays down some ground rules and i thought the it was interesting that he put it there let me let me read for you 
chapter uh, 9 of Genesis. And God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Multiply and fill the earth. All the wild animals, large and small, and all of the birds and fish will be afraid of you. And I have placed them in your power. And I have given them to you for food, just as I have given you grain and vegetables. But you must never eat animals that still have their uh, lifeblood in them. And murder is forbidden. Animals that kill people must die. And any person who murders must be killed. Yes, you must excuse, uh, execute anyone who murders another person, for to kill a person is to kill a living being made in the image of God. And now you must, uh, you must have many children and repopulate the earth. Yes, multiply and fill the earth. So I, I thought it was interesting that he um, immediately... Uh, as he's giving instruction to to uh, to Noah, that he immediately uh, sets down some ground rules. First of all, he says that you know uh, animals, by the the nature of who they are, will fear man, and that in that uh, man is not to eat any of uh, any animal that still has life in it. But the animal, so animals are given to us for food, and that uh, those animals are not to be uh, if, if they're they're to be killed before they're eaten, and then he talks about murder, and specifically states that uh, nobody is to murder somebody else. Are you uh, sorry? Are you getting like a like a beeping sound in the background? No, what you heard was your your mother. <laughs> Okay, I keep hearing like a beep, beep, beep. Yeah, we're having technical difficulties with our uh, refrigerator. All right, all right. Keep going. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay, so, you know, so that's interesting from the standpoint that right up front, God stipulates that these are the things that he uh, is going to do. These are the conditions that are there, and that uh, Noah needs to be aware of those conditions and then in chapter uh, 11 well chapter 10 rather he sets down the promise in in regard to the uh in, in regard to the, the rainbow and and you know Noah and and how it is that uh, he will never again flood the earth Right, not just destroy the earth, specifically destroy the earth through a flood. Yes, that's correct. So, so again, he gives, you know, he gives a little bit of uh, instruction um, as he sends Noah and his three sons out, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and they are to go out and they are to uh, repopulate the earth as it were. Now, you and I have talked about before that the, the uh, repopulation uh, process, I, I believe, uh, and it's... Uh, 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 Whoa, we lost you there. It's at this point that God made some changes. Yeah, you're back. Uh, I believe that God made some changes in regard to uh, the DNA 
of man. Sure. And that we have a limitation of uh, no more than 120 years, for example, um, on on uh, people and, and how long they can live. Yeah. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean that they don't they don't stop trying. Remember that the the Americas basically were discovered because you know the Spanish were looking for the uh, fountain of life or the fountain of youth. Right. Which, by the way, you can still drink from it in Florida if you like. Although I'm told it doesn't taste very good. Okay. And <laughs> and it doesn't and it doesn't uh, it doesn't bring youth when you drink of it. Uh, possibly it might bring uh, bacteria. Um. We also have an instance here that I think we. Okay, so we're having some technical difficulties, it looks like. Uh, yeah, you're back again. You keep going out, back and out, out and back. Yeah, not sure what it is. I, you, I, lost, your, I lost your video feed, too. Um, are you there? But you're there in audio? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. It looks like... It looks like we're offline, actually. It looks like we're offline altogether. But that oh, interesting. There at the church? Well, this is weird because the stream just resumed. Are you there? Huh. This is what technology is like. Uh, looks like the stream is definitely resumed on YouTube. So you should call him back. Call him back on Messenger. Let's see what we can do here. Right. So, uh, okay. So John Parker says he can hear us. Yeah. So we are live on YouTube, and we appear to be live on Facebook um, on Facebook proper. We'll, let's call Pastor Monty back on Messenger instead of Google Meet, which is what we were using and see if that's a little more stable right now. Um, but he was talking about Shemhem Japheth. I'm not really sure where he was specifically wanting to focus. Uh, but I do want to talk a little more about... Um, well, I just want to give... Let's see. I want to specifically focus on... Because he, he talked about some of the archaeological evidence... Um, I just want to draw your attention again to the conversation that we were having the last time we talked about this two weeks ago and say the thing that I personally find most compelling about the evidence for it is the cultural evidence of the, of the fact that some sort of great flood happened in multiple cultures no matter what, um, no matter what uh, area these you know, cultures occupied. There seems to be some sort of large flood narrative that uh everybody has and i think that that is that is significant you know it's it's part of the seminal nature of the culture itself so um that's something that i find okay there we go that's something i find really interesting let's see if he answers oh did we get him back yeah. except we have no audio 
I've got no audio for you. Oh, hello? No audio for you, Pastor Monty. Do you have your microphone off or something? Because we heard the call, but we didn't hear. So we heard it ringing, but we didn't hear it. Why don't we, uh, why don't you hang up and call us back on this, okay? Yes, call us back. Okay, I can't understand what you're saying. Can you hear me? Okay, then you hang up and you call us back on this, on Messenger. Go ahead and do that, and uh, I'll try to keep the show rolling. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, um, after the flood, well, here's another thing that's, that's of interest. Maybe you guys have taken note of. There seems to be uh, like a repetition of the idea of 40 days and 40 nights. Um, the, the, the idea of 40 days and 40 nights, we'll take a look at it, a simple search. Oh, that's, that's a sound right there. Let's see if this works. Do we get them? Let's see. Hello? Hello. Ah, there we are. Okay. I was just talking to your audience about the concept of 40 days and 40 nights and how it seems to repeat, but, um, go ahead and. It's your show. Well, okay. So, I, so we were just talking about, you know, what happened, and then also um, in regard to, uh, uh, you know, Noah setting up his family and getting to repopulate. Now, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting here, and this shows up here briefly, and so we'll discuss it uh, because it shows up later in Israel's history. But we have an incident, so. It says here we're in chapter uh, 9 of uh, Genesis. And so it says, After the flood, Noah became a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Um, I, I like it. I like that he planted something that he could drink. Okay. Wine. Right. So he, He's probably sick so of water. <laughs> Uh, I get that. So he planted a vineyard. One day, he became drunk on some wine that he had made, and he laid uh, naked in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. And Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it uh, over their shoulders, walked backwards into the tent and covered their father's naked body. And as they did this, they looked the other way so that they wouldn't see him naked. And when Noah woke up from his drunken stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. And then he cursed the descendants of Canaan, the sons of Ham. A curse on the Canaanites, may they be the lowest of servants to the descendants of Shem and Japheth. And then Noah said, May Shem uh, be blessed of the Lord my God, and may Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge the territory of Japheth, and may he share the prosperity of Shem, and let, the, and let Canaan be his servant. And then a side note here, 
It says Noah lived another 350 years after the flood, and he was 950 years when he died. Okay, so um, so what was what was uh, Ham's uh, sin? Um, you know that he that he received this curse first of all. That he saw. I, there are only two things I can think of. That he saw his father's nakedness, and that uh, he went and tattled to his brothers. Is it? Is I I assume that you keep pronouncing it naked, n e k k i d, uh, jokingly. Is that correct? Um. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I tell you, it's, re it's really rubbing me the wrong way. I'm having a hard time. Oh, is it? I'm having a hard time getting over it. Uh, okay, okay. Well, you know, um, this is uh, this is a condition that we clearly uh, don't want to talk about in Scripture unless we have to. Nakedness. No, it's nakedness. But anyway, um, that this passage is actually a highly uh, contested passage. I don't know if I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, no, I don't mean contested like it didn't happen. I mean contested as to the meaning of it specifically. Uh, there's a lot of suggestion that it might have been uh, some sort of rape, homosexuality, even castration. Some people have argued that that there's castration um, in some way that you know that that essentially he did something to him to have him cursed that that much. But yes, I I agree with you. The biblical text, um, I think, if you take it on the surface, the biblical text makes it clear that it has to do with how he handled his father's nakedness um, and that his nakedness was something that was um, to be protected uh, or was was sacred in some way, um, you know, to, to the point that his brothers, you know, walked backwards because they didn't want to see it. Yeah, I mean, you know... Um... It's a it's an it's an odd detail which is put into scripture, and I'm not sure from a textual standpoint. See, remember that. Um, okay, now we're going into high theology here. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there's a somewhat of a controversy over how the first five books, the Pentateuch. Uh, were written, right, and and how they were compiled, and some of the reasoning behind why there are certain things in there that are placed in there. So some textual scholars believe that this story is inserted in order to give explanation to the uh, to why it is the Canaanites were cursed, right. Because later, um, when you go into Scripture, uh, and we're not going to talk about this now in detail, but to just give you a look into the future, um, what happens is is the the Canaanites uh, are descendants of, of Ham, and when when Israel went into the land of Canaan, and they were going, they were told to destroy. Uh, all uh, peoples and tribes that they came in contact with, but the Canaanites deceived them. 
and and so they didn't uh, wipe them out, and the curse that was put upon them was that they were to be servants of the Hebrew people, which fulfilled this curse that we see in Genesis. So some textual scholars believe that that's the reason why it's here. Yeah, I don't know. You know, what, I don't know. What I do know is that this passage has been used quite a bit to um, to refer to uh, basically Africa and the African area, and I just want to touch on that really quickly and say that specifically, it's not the descendants of Ham in general; it's the Canaanites. And yeah, that's a really important point and a really interesting point. Um, why was it specifically the Canaanites? Don't know. Uh, I, I don't think that's really the focus of it. I I would have to question whether specifically, you know, maybe Canaan was involved. He was Canaan was the grandson of uh, Ham. So right. was, he, was he the grandson of Noah? I can't remember, but he's the grandson of someone. Um, no, no, he's the son. He's the son of Ham. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so that that's that's really interesting, and I don't know how he was involved in it. Um, we do know that the way that Ham handled the situation was to basically expose his father's nakedness, to go and make fun of his father. And so there's you know there's a there's a probability that he did that to his grand like with his with Noah's grandson, um, you know, and was like, hey, come look at. Come look at my father. Look at how, you know, ridiculous he is. Um, that's definitely a possibility. There's also an interesting aspect of um, Leviticus 20 where it says the man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered um, his nakedness. And I think that, that that's a pretty interesting throwback to just this concept of uncovering the nakedness of your father. And I think that's really interesting the uncovering of the nakedness specifically because there's some sort of there's there's some sort of reference there to nakedness being covered by God in the garden of eden uh which is still a pretty fresh event here so for for me there's two factors one what's the whole deal like what actually happened and um we just don't really know and there's a lot of uh, even e I've even seen people who who have argued that maybe Ham slept with his mother um, because again in Leviticus it says if you sleep with your father's wife you've uncovered his nakedness. I don't think that's the easiest reading of the text, but I've seen what I'm saying is I've seen lots of lots of theories about this passage. Um, but yeah, the Mormons use this passage to justify that they believe that uh, that um, the descendants of uh, Cain and the blacks were uh, inferior, and uh, therefore, you know. Well, the descendants of Ham, the descendants of Ham, right? Yeah. Descendants of Ham, yes. Not not Canaan. That's what we were talking about earlier. Was you know, Canaan is a is a specific descendant who who was populating that area. Um, uh, you know, that's more Middle Eastern. Um, but the descendants of Ham also populated Africa, and they're, it's not the same thing. And yeah, it's it's not just the Mormons, um, but basically the white slave trade, um, the subsect that, you know, somehow still managed to view themselves as Christian, even though that's absolutely ridiculous if you look at, like, the, 
the Deuteronomical laws and the Levitical laws and like injustice and stuff like that, um, they would use this passage. But it doesn't make sense because that is specifically about Canaan. Um, But then the other factor is, what's the deal with Noah being a drunk? That's the other factor. Like Noah invited that upon himself and then he got angry uh, and I don't know that it's a like a biblical curse. It's a curse that that God honored, but I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was right to curse the his sons on or his son on the basis of pointing out that his father was essentially a drunk who couldn't control his liquor. And I think that there is, you know, there is some validity there in pointing that out. So it's it's a really complex it's actually a really complex passage with a lot um to offer in terms of content and there's just there's so much about it. Right, and on its face value on its face value, what we have is a very simple tale. And scripture gives us just enough to be tantalizing. But all these other things that we've been talking about, uh pure speculation. Yeah, it is interesting how it's uh, nobody. Nobody really has. Um, nobody really talks about it, you know, like this side of the Noah tale. Um, nobody really spends a lot of time there. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, for you, for you, uh, for my listeners who are up and coming theologians, if you want something to uh, sink your teeth into, you could probably do a doctoral study on this. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, because I'm not sure anybody's done that. Uh, And there are all kinds of interesting things that uh, people are still finding out. Okay, so we're going to close our look at Genesis uh, with noting that that, uh, the flood has receded now, and uh, the sons of uh, Noah are beginning to uh, multiply. Can we... You and to spread out, and from them, there's actually a listing in Scripture of the uh, of the tribes that are descendants then and come out of uh, Noah's three sons. Can we can we take a second to unpack? And I I know this is kind of a big um, I know it's kind of a big topic, and I'm not looking to get into a huge topic on this, a huge discussion on this. But I feel like, given our current culture, given where we are as a society it would be wrong of us to gloss over the rainbow. You know what I'm, t- um, I'm talking about? Yeah, we could talk about somewhere over the rainbow. What, what would you like to talk about? I'm Irish, and I know a lot about rainbows. Well, I just I want to talk about the accostment of the, the, let's call it in today's terminology, the cultural appropriation of the oh, rainbow. Oh, yeah, like Jesse Jackson, for example, sure. Of the rainbow as a symbol of diversity, and then the and then adding to it that you know it's now used as a symbol to celebrate something that god doesn't approve of um and i i you know I, again i don't want to spend a time a lot of time here i know we've got we've got a time to show but that being said i think it would be wrong of us to 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 just gloss over it and say up oh, the rainbow happened um so i i just want to, i just want to bring attention to the fact that the rainbow means something. Um, it means it means specifically hope uh, at a time when rain was scary. 
like I, I guess I don't know I don't know how else to say that. Like basically, they weren't used to rain, and so the idea of the rainbow coming was uh, essentially a new event for them. Um, you know. Well, yeah, we we had we had talked about that the that up until this point, the watering of the earth uh, right. was done uh, through the dew. Right. Not the mountain. And there really was. There really wasn't uh, clouds, and there and in uh, and, and rain water coming out of the clouds, as it were. Uh, so even though we just have uh, Noah and his sons and their family, uh, you're correct in that they would have seen uh, what they had just gone through as a uh, as a difficult thing. Not oh, a yeah. good thing. Well, yeah. yeah, it was a hyper-traumatic event that they were a part of. Everything was wiped out. Death, right? And then what happens? The weather system kicks into gear, the new weather system, and then it begins to rain. And they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so when the light shines through the rain, the refraction causes the effect of the rainbow. And God basically uses that and says, check this out. Yeah, it's raining again, but don't worry. I'm never going to wipe the earth out this way again. And I think that, that there, it's a covenant. The rainbow is a covenant of God's providence in the midst of a time that is, um, that is connected to an intense trauma, the wiping out of the world due to its wickedness. It's God making a covenant, a promise, so that we can look at it. And what's supposed to happen is that every time we see that rainbow, very much like uh, the communion, for instance, whenever we take the, uh, the communion and we uh, take the, the wine and the bread, we're supposed to remember what God has done. The rainbow is very similar. God, whenever we see the rainbow, we're supposed to be reminded that God saved humanity, that he saved a, a remnant of people who are faithful to him and that he could wipe us out, but he's not going to. That is right, right. And, so and vastly different from what the rainbow has become in terms of iconography. Well, and what and what most people don't realize is that because they they couldn't have obviously, but when you see a rainbow from the air, one of the things that you discover is that uh, it, it, is that the rainbow is uh, is uh, circular in nature. So when we see it from the ground, we see it as like a like a half of a circle. But uh, you know, but when you see it from the air. It's a continuous loop. Yeah, it's well. You're just seeing a spectrum of yeah. You're just seeing yeah. a spectrum of light hitting water, um, and you know there is a curvature and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's in your yeah. So continue with your point. It's a continuous loop, and therefore, and therefore the covenant of God is continuous. Right, uh, like, that He has made. It's almost like a, like a wedding ring, right? The rainbow. Yeah, is like exactly. God's wedding ring. So you are correct that there have been groups which have uh, usurped the uh, the idea of the rainbow and the multicolors in order to use it as a symbol for diversity. Um, if you watch the news just yesterday, uh, the Democrats when they they kneeled in solidarity with the uh, the woke 
um, far lefters that want to uh, outlaw or, or strip down police departments. They kneeled and they had these little rainbow shawls on. Um, really? So we're seeing it. Weird. Yeah, yeah, is it, it was weird. Um, so yes, so I, I agree that the, it's it's good that we understand that this is God's covenant uh, to His creation that He would not destroy the world uh, in the fashion which He did. Um, instead, He developed a. Uh, instead. Um, what we're going to see is uh, Armageddon. Yes, but Armageddon withheld. That's true, yes. God destroyed the world with the flood, but when he returns, he'll destroy the world with fire. That's what the scripture says. That being yes, said, God withholds the judgment and opens the door and even allows the key through his son Christ that the world may be saved. He, he widens the ark the Ark of the Covenant is much bigger and allows for much more. And yes. and I think, you know, when we see a rainbow, and that's what I would challenge you if you're one of those people, you know, whenever you see a rainbow and you're like, huh, a rainbow. Like, it should not make you think of diversity. It should not make you think of homosexuality or LGBTQ or whatever. It shouldn't even make you think, oh, it's so pretty. What it should make you think is God is protecting us. That's what it should make you think. That is what that means. Don't worry about the impending flood. God is protecting us. So I just yeah, don't I don't want to gloss don't over even, that. Don't even think about a pot of gold and leprechauns. Yes. That's also yeah, let me be clear, that is also reprehensible to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, so thanks. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for bringing that up. So yes, and I gotta tell you that we don't see it in in where we are that much, but if you go to uh, the tropics, uh, I have actually seen, I regularly saw, when I lived in Hawaii, I regularly saw double rainbows. Uh, I have actually seen triple rainbows. Are you aware of the meme of, like, was it double rainbows or triple rainbows? Do you know what I'm talking about, producer? I, 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 I don't. There's a meme of a guy, like, freaking out. Let me see if I can find it. I'm sure our listeners know what I'm talking about, uh, where he's just like, I got to find this thing. Double yeah. Rainbow. You know, when I lived in Hawaii, once in a while, once in a uh, – uh, you, would, you would see a triple rainbow. And we saw um, – your mother's pointing out to me that we saw not that long ago a double rainbow here from our house. Yeah. So they are they are amazing when you see them. Okay. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, gotta, while you're looking I, I, for yeah. I yeah, while for you're you. looking for that Okay, while you're looking for that meme. I I got it. I got to play it for you. Here, listen to this. Oh. Okay. Let's see here. This guy. Oh well, yeah, no, they're amazing. No, but well, it's so it's so ridiculous that it got it like got turned here. Listen to this. Watch this. What's it mean? Whoa, that's a full rainbow. Lovely. Double rainbow. Oh my 
Okay, now I just want to point out to you the ridiculousness of that song, but you realize what he said. What does this mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's... there's some significance to it. Well, there is, and, signif- and you know there is I... significance to it, but it's well, yes. But I mean, triple or double. See, I don't, I don't know that there, there's any uh, significance to to seeing two or three of them, except that God is doubling down. Yes. Although, although. You know, you might be able to argue that if you see three, that it only uh, it only uh, confirms God operates in threes. Another discussion. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's move on, and I'm just going to do very quick. What's up with that? Um, you know, there's lots of stuff we could talk about with what's up with that. I mean, it's just, you know, it's going crazy. I, I was so overwhelmed with craziness of this week that I had to watch this even Seagal movie just to calm down. Right. It was that it was that crazy. Um, but do you know what? Yesterday, uh, there, there are many corporations which are giving into the uh, into the wokeness of the moment. And yesterday, Warner Brothers announced that they would no longer uh, allow Elmer Fudd to uh, carry a gun. What? Is that's that right. Not, that, that's right. And not only that, not only that, but, they're, but uh, they've uh, taken uh, Yosemite Sam's uh, sh- six-shooters away from him as well. What? Now, for those of you who are Bugs Bunny fans... This is uh, this is you know, a wow moment. Now they're they're okay replacing that with blowing people up with dynamite and uh, trying to kill people with sickles and stuff like that. But uh, no gun for Elmer Fudd as he chases to Wabbit, and no more uh, six shooters for uh, Yosemite Sam. But they're that's okay. But that's in their new Looney Tunes series, right? They're not going back. Yes, yes, that's yeah. That's in the. I don't know if they can go back and they can. They can do I don't know how they would go back and change things. That's funny. So I have HBO Max as one does, and they have uh, they have the old Looney Tunes cartoons on there. And so I was I was showing my kids some of the old Looney Tunes cartoons. It's National Treasure. Yeah. National Treasure. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know that they're ridiculous. So yeah. you know, it's just. But they're just they're just fun to watch. My daughter, my daughter who has a bit of uh, OCD going on, she uh, she was having a real hard time watching the Roadrunner cartoons. She was just oh, yeah? Yeah. so bothered. She was so bothered at the ridiculousness of it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my son was loving. My son was loving it though. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I I grew up watching that stuff. That's great stuff. But that doesn't surprise uh, that doesn't surprise me. They've done away with a lot of things. I mean, I guess it does surprise me because that is iconic. Like, how is he supposed to hunt the wabbit, as you call him? But um, that being said, they have done away with really iconic uh, aspects of characters before. Things like um, you know, carrying cigarettes. You know, things like that. Right, 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 right. Okay, well, let's let's uh, let's not belabor 
this area, there, like I said, there's just so much going on. I, you know, I think that that uh, what we really need to be praying about is uh, just God watching over us and and allowing the insanity to not get too bad. Um, I'm I'm thinking about. I'm not going to do it on Truth Time, but uh, this some. This summer, um, Josh has alluded to this. We're going to have some specials, uh, things that we're going to be developing. And uh, I'm thinking seriously about, uh, and I know that I don't get a lot of uh, viewers when we go off on this, Also, those, although some people appreciate it. But I would like to maybe do a special specifically dealing with um, the... Uh, the dynamics of the culture and politics as we roll up to uh, uh, the next election in November. Oh, interesting. Because uh, it is because there are there are, depending on the way that things go, there are significant things that uh, that will happen within our culture. Uh, so yes, uh, it's not summer that we're doing specials for the VRN, but we will be doing uh, specials in the fall. Specifically, oh, okay, okay. specifically between well, September November. <laughs> yeah, well, specifically between September and October. So those of you who don't know, we're on episode 318. So that's season three, episode 18 of Truth Time with Pastor Monty. And uh, the VRN wraps its season up uh, the last week of June here. So that means uh, we will be technically off the air as all the new content being produced by the VRN will be, or at least all the new live content except for sermons will be off the air um, from July until January. Is it January or February? Producer Jasmine. January. So um, that being said, midway through that in September and October, we are going to, we're going to come at you with a few specials. Um, so, uh, you can you can stay tuned for that, but yeah, it's it's been a pretty harrowing process, especially with with COVID and how that hit us. We've actually run a lot harder and a, a lot hotter than we um, had you know planned to for season three. So um, yeah, that's interesting. And that like uh, doing a political series was uh, news to me. So well, not a not a series, but just. Uh... Uh, a discussion about uh, Are you how about it is how it is that things will go depending upon uh, who's elected. So you're thinking of a like a one night special or something? Uh, maybe a one or two nights. Are you are you is that a discussion? It 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 could be. I mean, the first night would just be my analysis. Because uh, I'd be interested to get our often uh, your often dissenter. Uh, you know, uh, Joseph Jesse, he likes to, you know, fight back on some things. I'd be interested to have to see that conversation come in. Um, so if you're listening, Joe, maybe maybe you can come on and uh, have a conversation with Pastor Monty as an election special. <laughs> um, yeah, possible. As I said, the first night I would be looking at doing some analysis of the trends that we see uh, going on and how we might be affected. Uh, as a country, um, but uh, the second night we could do some type of, uh, you know, a discussion. 
We'll talk about it. It'll be interesting. Anyway, stay tuned for that. Yeah. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and close close out uh, our day uh, with uh, uh, the beginning of a brief discussion on um, cultural uh, lunacy. Well, one of the reasons we've been talking about this in regard to so in cultural lunacy, we're talking about marriage. And so we've looked at the issue of what Scripture has to say in regard to uh, the structure that God has set up and how it is that we honor that structure. So uh, I wanted to take a look at if you if you uh, were to try to put it into context, several of the characteristics that are pulled from Scriptures uh, found in First Timothy and Titus. Uh, and uh, Ephesians, basically, where you you have various elements of what a model uh, man should look like uh, in regard to a man of God. Okay. And and uh, and so these are things that that you know we would shoot for. So if you're a disciple of Christ and you're seeking to live in such a way that you exemplify Him. In regard to the marriage relationship, these are things that you can work towards. And, and, and I would have to say that one of the things that uh, at least I've observed uh, in counseling with people over the last 30-plus years and or observing marriage relationships is that I'm starting with men because men have... have the, uh, again, my observation, men have the most difficulty with being diligent in their responsibilities uh, towards their family, uh, their wife and their family. Sure. Um, men, men typically are, uh, uh, are more in the uh, hunter-gatherer mode. So they're like, you know, they, they love the hunt. They love the, the thrill of the hunt. But once they've caught... Uh, what it is that they're chasing, then they kind of settle back and say, I'm good. I caught her. I'm good. I don't have to work at it anymore. And right. uh, that's not what Scripture That's not what scripture indicates. That's, in fact, once you've caught her, uh, the real work begins. And I'm not talking about the real work in regard to you bringing her into line. I'm talking about the real work of you conforming to where God would have you to be as a man of God. So there are some 13 different deals here. And as I said, you know, we've got passages in 1 Timothy, passages in Titus uh, that uh, bring out some of these things. So first and foremost, I'm just going to go down. We'll talk about these for as much time as we have today. And then uh, and then uh, we'll try to get through these and or We'll continue our discussion next week. So, number one, um, we are to be above reproach. So, if you're a man of God, you are to be above reproach. And and above, above reproach, and that's kind of a hard one to start out with, because my understanding of above reproach is that is that you... You don't really have anything in your life that somebody can grab hold of and dig dirt up on you. You have no skeletons in the closet. You are above reproach. 
and I've yeah. I've heard I've heard people say I've watched people and it's a common belief that everybody has skeletons in their closet and that everybody has something that they would like to hide and from a scriptural standpoint I beg to differ that's not what scripture says it doesn't mean that you have, it doesn't mean that you haven't had things that you might be uh, have had difficulty with when you were younger or mistakes that you've made perhaps it does mean that you haven't lived in such a way that uh, that's just hiding there for somebody to find do you think that it is how do you how are you reconciling the fact that the scripture says that no man is without sin the that even saying that is you know antichrist in nature or that you know uh every person is in the process of sanctification you know like i know it's more of a theological term sanctification is not a term in the bible but like how are you reconciling that well what i look at is is as i said before you know it doesn't mean that you haven't made mistakes it doesn't mean that you haven't that you don't have poor choices do you that you it means that when you make mistakes or you make poor choices you don't try to hide them so that nobody can see them but you readily admit that you made a mistake and that you try to learn from that mistake and move on because what when you talk about things like blackmail when you talk about extortion when you talk about those types of things you know that people have found a dirty little secret and they try to make an issue of it if they do that then they have something they can grab hold of and they can use that in order to uh, manipulate you do and you, the better way to do is just not to just not to have that do you so i always I always like for those of you who are uh, well, you might have to look at your history books a little bit, uh, those of you that are a little bit younger. But uh, we had a Attorney General, uh, Attorney General Ashcroft, who uh, the media just couldn't stand this guy because no matter how hard they tried to dig into his past, they couldn't find anything um, that uh, he had, uh, you know, that he was trying to hide or that he had uh, all kinds of chinks in his armor okay so do you think that um sorry i'm trying to get a link the link to that guy um there you go i posted a link um do you think that most people when they are saying you know that i guess it's, it's twofold right it's twofold so the first the first thing i would say is that uh everybody has something to hide um in the sense that there are everybody has things that are shameful they may not be hiding them but they do have something to hide like it's something that's shameful to speak about um but the second thing is even if those things are exposed um they're they're not good things to draw attention to they can be they can you know, even even if it's a well-known thing, it, those things aren't good things to draw attention to, which is why that is something worth hiding. And then the last thing is, even if we have all those things exposed, and a person may appear perfect on the surface, and maybe even in performance they are, although I, I don't know that that's a reality, uh, our thought life becomes more and more 
accessible. You know, they're even trying to like, um, they're even, you know, trying to, to get it so that our thoughts can translate directly into the real world, you know, with things like robotics and things like that. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, your search history, your search history says a lot about what you're about where you are. Um, so like, uh, I, I just want to be careful unpacking that statement of that, you know, the scripture says, I think you said that's not what the scripture says, that there isn't, uh, that, that basically you shouldn't come at it from the perspective that you have something to hide. This is, this is indicated here, uh, because, um, because it's something that we can ascribe to as believers it's something that we can work towards that we don't deny that as as uh, our humanity uh, allows us to make poor judgments occasionally and and to uh, make mistakes occasionally but as we learn how to live for Christ as we learn how what pleases God and what doesn't it should be less and less of an issue as we mature as disciples of Christ that we should run into anything that we should be ashamed of and how it is that we act. Sure, but we're all sinful and we always will be until until we're, you know, dead and sanctification is is It's something yes, yes, it's something to work towards. Okay. Okay? So you're so, not saying you know, that that's you're not saying that that's the reality of Christians. I, I think that's oh, that's definitely that's definitely not the reality. Do you think it's possible for a person to be one hundred percent perfect all the time in Christ? That that transformation is possible? Um, yes, it's possible. The probability is is uh, because we we fight our our uh, sinful nature, as is indicated in Romans. The possibility uh, makes it difficult. Uh, or the probability it make it would make it improbable, but is it possible? Sure. Um, if you devoid if you <laughs> if if you if you devoid yourself of uh, ever going out, so you stay at home like you have to do in COVID. Um, uh, you devoid yourself of having to interact with anybody. Um, all you do is read scripture and pray and eat. And sleep, and have no interaction at all in life. So you're a monk, uh, essentially. But, yeah, yeah. But, you might, you might, you might be able to pull it off. Well, but but then uh, you would be, if, then you'd be violating, say, the cultural mandate to go out. Then you'd be violating the 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 uh, great commission to go out and make disciples. Then you'd be violating the law of love that says you're supposed to be tenderhearted toward people. Like there's, right, there's, right, 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 there's just right, no, right. there's no perfecting. So I just, I want to be careful about the message that, um, not having skeletons in your closet. It is something. Okay. So, so a simple message, Josh, is this, a simple message is this, is that, you know, as believers, as we make mistakes, um, we don't have to hide those mistakes. Yeah. Just, just own up and say, I made a mistake. Yeah. And and uh, I've and and I've looked at the mistake and I've made corrections and it is my intention not to make that mistake again. Right. I mean that's 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 really what you're dealing with. 
Yep. Is you know we're I mean you can go into the weeds which we almost did and get into like uh, I I loved uh, there was an episode uh, on Gilligan's Island. Uh, you can post that, Josh, for people who don't know what that is. It's a deep dive. Um, there was a, you can watch it there was on HBO an episode, <laughs> There was an episode on Gilligan's Island where they ate something which caused them to be able to read each other's minds. Yes. And they didn't have to say anything because they were reading each other's mind, and it quickly uh, dissolved into uh, chaos because, <laughs> because their thoughts... Uh, were uh, not very pure. Um, so, so you know, there's always something for us to conquer. But the the best way to move forward with this one is that recognize you're going to make mistakes. But as you mature in Christ, as you as you come to know who He is, as you come, to, I'm laughing because I'm I'm looking at my list here, and it's going to take a while to get through this. Um, so, <laughs> so as we know who He is, as we allow His Word to purify us, and we get more in line with who He would have us to be, we should be lessing, uh, making more and more uh, choosing wisely and less and less choosing poorly, uh, which would uh, help us to be able to be successful here. Yeah, agreed. Okay. Oh, well, that's on, uh, we're that's, all right. That's on my end. I'm hearing a, a phone on my end. Uh, but Yeah, it sounds like your engineer's got something going on. So um, our, our next... Uh, our next one will be easier to deal with, and we'll start off with that next week where we talk about being a, uh, a one-woman man. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, so let's, uh, let's, go, <laughs> let's go ahead and close our time together as our time is up. And uh, uh, i just looking forward to uh, seeing if we can unwrap all these uh, in an expeditious way. Before we get to yeah, before we get to the uh, end of season three. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can. Yeah, we can go ahead and wrap the show like you said. If you're someone who's seeking answers or you want to know more about your faith, if you're new to Jesus Christ of the Bible, we want to help you. So check out that help tab at abfpdx.org and remember that we are always open to questions. And let's close out the show. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of Aletheia Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon, and it's a webcast on the Vigilance Radio Network, a resource developed by Project Vigilance, which is ABF's web portal that provides helpful and interesting online resources for the church, local, and at large. And if you want to be a part of that and what we're doing here, you can join us. Uh, you can join the Vigilance Radio Network's Facebook page to get access to all of our shows, including Culture Insanity, uh, which airs this Saturday. Um, our kids' shows uh, like Wake Up Cadre, uh, The Bible with Pastor Adam, uh, The Weekly Sermons. We have Nightlight Radio. We had an interesting discussion on racism last week on Nightlight Radio. Um, so that's something you should check out. Uh, and also, you know, we have Nightlight Radio this Thursday. So if there's topics you want to talk about, um, we're aiming to help you problem solve them. So go ahead and uh, hit us up there. Speaking of um, 
that, don't forget that we are coming to the end of our season. So if you want to check out our content, you can always find it in those places. And remember to like and subscribe and share this podcast. Also, if you want to support us in our network, feel free to do that. You can head over to avfpdx.org and click the donate tab. Even a dollar a month will be good. Uh, will be put to good use for the gospel. But if you're poor like us, that's cool too. Still partner us, partner with us. So take a second to visit the group page so you can stay up to date whenever we share new content, which for the time being is each week at Tuesdays. At 11, we will see you this Thursday with Nightlight Radio. I am Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.